Welcome to The Randy Report. I'm Randy Slavacek, your host. I'm also the writer and editor of TheRandyReport.com, where you can find me every single day on the internet reporting on the daily news cycle in terms of politics, pop culture, and entertainment news of interest to the LGBTQ community. In this week's headlines, Harvey Firestein's seminal play, Torch Song, is heading back to Broadway. The state of California aims to make so-called ex-gay therapy illegal. South Carolina looks to label same-sex marriages as parody marriages. Defense Secretary James Mattis has given Donald Trump his recommendations for transgender soldiers. And an appeals court says Title VII of the Civil Rights Act of 1964 protects LGBTs from discrimination. All that and more on this episode of The Randy Report. Aiming to protect victims of treatments that promise a cure to homosexuality or gender identity issues, California lawmakers are pushing the state to declare conversion therapy a fraud, which it is. The proposal, sponsored by the California Legislative LGBT Caucus, would bring conversion therapy under the state's consumer protection laws and allow individuals to sue so-called practitioners. Discredited worldwide by major medical and mental health organizations, the practice of ex-gay therapy promises to cure an LGBT person. Individuals, usually minors, are put through a range of outlandish and hideous treatments, including hypnosis, injections, and even electric shocks. It's already illegal in California to subject minors to the therapy. But Assemblyman Evan Lowe says protections are also needed for adults. He said in his statement, Study after study has shown that conversion therapy is ineffective, damaging, and counterproductive. It is our duty to protect Californians from such deceptive practices that will expose them to physical and emotional harm. Lawmakers in Florida and Maine are already mulling over bills that would follow California's lead and ban physicians and counselors from using the practice on minors. Many states, including Illinois, Massachusetts, and Connecticut, have passed statewide bans on using this on minors. As proposed, Assembly Bill 2943 would, quote, authorize any consumer who suffers damages as a result of these unlawful practices to bring an action against that person to recover damages, among other things, end quote. Conversion therapy would become an unlawful practice prohibited under the Consumer Legal Remedies Act. Advertising, offering to engage in, or engaging in sexual orientation change efforts with an individual. Lowe's measure is supported by the LGBT Caucus, Equality California, the Trevor Project, and the National Center for Lesbian Rights. After spending several days in Tallahassee, Florida, lobbying state lawmakers to take steps that could stop violent gun massacres in the future, students who survived the gun massacre at Parkland High School two weeks ago made a stop in Orlando to meet with survivors of the Pulse nightclub shooting in 2016. Standing together, it was an emotional moment as survivors read the names of the 49 Pulse shooting victims and placed a rose in a wire fence in tribute. They then added the names of the 17 killed in the Parkland shooting. Nima Barami, who was an event manager at Pulse at the time of the attack, 
told the press, we're all family. And she's right. Speaking of family, the Georgia State Senate has approved a bill that would allow adoption agencies to deny same-sex couples the opportunity to adopt based on deeply held religious beliefs. Additionally, the legislation known as Senate Bill 375 would prohibit the state from taking any adverse action against agencies who discriminated against those same-sex couples. The legislation was approved by a vote of 35 to 19 and now moves to the state house. Executive Director for Georgia Equality, Jeff Graham, called SB 375 mean-spirited and said this legislation goes out of its way to make it harder for loving and committed same-sex couples to start a family. And unfortunately, it's children in need of permanent homes who will pay the steepest price. Stay tuned. The LGBT community of Starkville, Mississippi, was informed last week that an application for a permit to organize what would have been the town's first pride parade was denied after a 4-3 to three vote by the town's aldermen. Adding to their frustration, the organizers weren't even given a reason for the denial. Three of the aldermen who voted against the permit left through the back entrance. There's some political courage. At the city council meeting, 16 people showed up to support the parade and only two spoke against it. One of the naysayers told the city council a pride parade would turn the town into, quote, a sin city. Starkville Mayor Lynn Spruill denounced the decision, saying in a statement that it sent a message that the small college town is not inclusive. And she's right. The mayor also pointed out that Oxford, Mississippi, where the University of Mississippi is based, has held gay pride parades for several years with no negative backlash. In South Carolina, a new bill has been filed challenging the 2015 Supreme Court ruling that legalized same-sex marriage. The bill, called the Marriage and Constitution Restoration Act, seeks to make marriage only between men and women and would deem all others parity marriages. The legislation was sponsored by six Republicans and filed around Valentine's Day. How's that for irony? Chris Sevier, an anti-gay marriage attorney who helped author the bill, told the press, we're not saying homosexuality should be illegal. We're saying the state shouldn't give them special benefits based on them self-identifying as homosexuals. I'm guessing those special benefits he's talking about are those that heterosexual people enjoy on an everyday basis. So he doesn't want gay people to have what heterosexual people have. Got it. Sevier believes the term parity marriage accurately represents same-sex unions because any marriage other than one between a man and a woman, according to him, is a mockery or an impersonation of actual marriage. I think he seems to be making an impersonation of an actual human being here. South Carolina Equality, the largest LGBT rights organization in South Carolina, accurately denounced the bill as a bigoted and narrow-minded attempt to legalize discrimination. Surely this will not pass. Newly appointed Army Secretary Mike Esper says that President Trump's proposed ban on transgender troops hasn't come up in the past three months he's been speaking to American soldiers at home and abroad. Esper told ABC News that the two main concerns he hears from soldiers involve pay 
and quality of food. He's met with a handful of active duty transgender service members, however, who have told him the issue isn't about gender or being treated special, it's about everyone being treated equally. Esper told ABC News, everybody wants to be treated with a clear set of standards. At the end of the day, the Army is a standards-based organization. Defense Secretary James Mattis has delivered his recommendations to Donald Trump about transgender service in the military. According to reports, Mattis's recommendation will be to allow openly transgender soldiers to continue serving. In related news, the Pentagon has confirmed that the first transgender person has signed a contract to join the U.S. military, a development made possible after a federal judge ruled that the military must continue to accept transgender recruits. According to Major Dave Eastburn, the individual has met all of the standards for serving in the military and signed a contract but has not yet begun basic training. As you may recall, Donald Trump surprised many last summer when he tweeted, after consultation with my generals and military experts, please be advised that the United States government will not accept or allow transgender individuals to serve in any capacity in the U.S. military. Trump went on to blame, quote, the tremendous medical costs and disruption that transgenders in the military would entail as the reasoning behind his decision. It was later revealed he had not consulted with the heads of our armed forces. Several civil rights groups this week ran a full-page ad in USA Today calling on Donald Trump and Vice President Mike Pence to, quote, not put their politics ahead of our troops and reverse the proposed transgender military ban. In a huge win for the LGBTQ community, the Second Circuit Court of Appeals has ruled that Title VII of the Civil Rights Act of 1964 bans anti-gay discrimination. The case examined whether Donald Zarda, a now-deceased skydiver who alleged he was fired from Altitude Express for being gay, could sue under existing civil rights law because sexual orientation discrimination is a form of sex discrimination. The Court of Appeals for the Second Circuit ruled, we now hold that sexual orientation discrimination constitutes a form of discrimination because of sex in violation of Title VII. In doing so, the court overruled a lower court and a precedent from two previous court cases and remanded the case to be litigated in light of their reading of Title VII. The majority wrote, Sexual orientation is a function of sex, and by extension, sexual orientation discrimination is a subset of sex discrimination. In reaching its decision, the court pointed out that anti-gay discrimination would not exist but for a person's sex. That is to say, gays and lesbians and bisexuals would not experience this type of unequal treatment if they'd been born a different gender or were attracted to a different sex. Robert Katzman, the Second Circuit's chief judge who authored the majority ruling, was joined by nine other judges. Only three dissented. The ruling also comes as a blow to the Trump administration, which wasn't even a party to the case. Because the Justice Department sent Deputy Assistant Attorney General Hashem Mupin to take part in oral arguments in September, where he argued that despite Title VII, employers should be able to fire workers for being gay. 
Well, isn't that pleasant? The backstory on this case goes like this. Apparently, Donald Zarda told a female student as they prepared for a skydiving jump that he was 100% gay in an attempt to make the woman feel less anxious about the close physical contact involved in being strapped to her instructor. The woman's boyfriend complained to the school about the encounter, and that led to Zarda's dismissal. This ruling now allows Zarda's estate to file a discrimination lawsuit against Altitude Express. I want to point out that the case was heard by all 13 eligible judges of the Second Circuit, known as an embank hearing, meaning that the only option left for the haters is to head to the U.S. Supreme Court. And speaking of Supreme Courts, you may recall back in February of 2013, Melissa and Aaron Klein, as the owners of Sweet Cakes Bakery in Oregon, refused to bake a cake for a lesbian couple. The customers who were turned away, Rachel Bowman Cryer and her wife Laurel, filed a complaint with the Oregon Bureau of Labor and Industries, saying that they had been the victims of discrimination based on sexual orientation which is clearly against the state's public accommodation laws. The law is the law, kids. The Bureau of Labor and Industries agreed and fined Sweet Cakes $135,000 for emotional damages suffered. The clients took their case to the Oregon Court of Appeals and lost again, as the appeals court agreed with the Bureau's determination. Now, the clients have asked the Oregon State Supreme Court to overturn the lower court rulings. The clients paid the fine of $135,000, but it's been held in a state escrow account until all appeal options have been exhausted. While the clients have cried poor in the aftermath of their anti-LGBT bigotry being exposed, it's quite noteworthy that a Christian crowdfunding campaign by fellow haters raised over $500,000 in support of the clients. That's half a million dollars, people. So the couple has actually made money in this little escapade. It's time to leave it alone, Kleins. Full stop. You broke the state's public accommodation law. You made a buttload of money through the whole debacle. It's time to exit stage left. And speaking of the stage, Harvey Firestein's seminal Tony Award-winning play, Torch Song Trilogy, newly streamlined and renamed Torch Song, is heading back to the Great White Way, the celebrated Second Stage Theater production, which played off-Broadway last fall, will transfer later this year to Broadway's Hayes Theater, which is where the groundbreaking play first made its Broadway premiere in 1982. Harvey Firestein said in a statement, seeing this new production of Torch Song was thrilling. The audience's laughter seemed heartier, their tears more profound, and I could not have been happier. Now comes the news, we're moving home, and all I can say is, Dreams do come true. Filling the iconic role that Firestein originated is Ugly Betty star Michael Urie, who will reprise his performance as Arnold Beckoff, a Jewish drag performer in New York City. Oscar winner Mercedes Ruel will also return as Arnold's disapproving mother. Speaking about the timeliness of the revival, Michael Urie told the press last year, a great play makes you think. And what's going on in the White House is always in the back of our minds. We're all confused, terrified, and clinging to each other. So Arnold, the ultimate caretaker, is the kind of friend we need right now. Yes, he's flawed, but he has so much heart and compassion. 
the new Broadway engagement will begin performances October 9th and officially open at the Helen Hayes Theater on Broadway November 1st. The 2018 Academy Awards are this Sunday. In the aftermath of last year's awesome win by Moonlight as Best Picture, we attempted to come up with a list of as many out gay and lesbian Oscar winners as possible. Here's what we came up with. Let us know if we miss someone. Now remember, these are folks who were out and proud as they were handed their statue. How many out gay and lesbian Oscar winners can you name? Here we go. In 2017, Terrell Alvin McRaney won for Best Adapted Screenplay for Moonlight. In the same year, Byron Howard won Best Animated Feature for directing Zootopia. Also in 2017, Binge Pasek won an Academy Award for Best Music Original Song with City of Stars from La La Land. In 2016, Sam Smith won the Oscar for Best Original Song, Writings on the Wall. In 2009, Dustin Lance Black won for Best Original Screenplay for Milk. In 2007, Melissa Etheridge took home the Oscar for Best Original Song for I Need to Wake Up. In 2003, Pedro Almodovar won Best Original Screenplay for Talk to Her. And he also won in 2000 for Best Foreign Language Film for All About My Mother. In 2000, John Corigliano won for Best Original Score for The Red Violin. Also in 2000, Alan Ball won for Best Original Screenplay for American Beauty. 1999, Bill Condon won Best Original Screenplay for Gods and Monsters. And in 1995, Sir Elton John won Best Original Song for Can You Feel the Love Tonight? 1991, Broadway darling Stephen Sondheim won Best Original Song for Sooner or Later, sung by Madonna. 1992, Howard Ashman won for Best Original Song for Beauty and the Beast, posthumously, after passing away from AIDS. He also won in 1990 Best Original Song for Under the Sea from The Little Mermaid. In 1985 and 1990, Rob Epstein won Best Documentary Feature for The Times of Harvey Milk and Common Threads, Stories from the Quilt. In 1982, Sir John Gielgud won for Best Supporting Actor in Arthur. Now, some people might want to mention Joel Gray, who won his Oscar for Cabaret in 1973, but he didn't come out until 2015. And Jodie Foster did win her Oscar for The Silence of the Lambs in 1992, but she didn't come out until 2013. Tune in this year to see who we can add to this honored list of luminaries. And that brings me to the end of this episode of The Randy Report. If you enjoy the podcast, make sure you hit the subscribe button on my page on iTunes, and every time I upload a new episode, it'll be sent straight to you automatically. And if you enjoy the podcast, please feel free to share the news with your friends. I love when people discover The Randy Report. Remember, you can find me every single day on the internet at therandyreport.com, where I report on the daily news cycle regarding politics, pop culture, and entertainment news of interest to the LGBTQ community. Thanks for listening, folks. See you next time.